Now it's time for Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf, the number one relationship advice radio show in the U.S. Welcome to Ask Dr. Love Radio. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf, and I'm thrilled to be introducing you to Jack Canfield, the beloved originator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul franchise, which has sold more than 123 million books worldwide and over 500 million, million copies are in print worldwide. And Jack Canfield is behind the Empire Time magazine called the Publishing Phenomenon of the Decade. And he's affectionately known as America's number one success, success coach. And Jack has studied and reported on what makes successful people different. He knows what motivates successful people, what drives them, and what inspires them. And he brings this critical insight to countless audiences internationally. He shares his success strategies in the media with companies, universities, and professional associations. And over the last 30 years, his compelling message, empowering energy, and personal coaching style has helped thousands, hundreds of thousands of individuals achieve their dreams and achieve peak performance and breakthrough results. Now, his most recent national bestseller, The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be, contains 64 powerful principles for success that are utilized by the top achievers from all walks of life and all areas of commerce. And his book has over 100 million readers, and that's how many people he's reaching worldwide. So I'm going to be talking today with Jack Canfield about how you can transform your life and your relationships by completing the past and embracing your future, cleaning up your messes, being in the now, rejecting rejection, embracing change, transcending our limiting beliefs, and much more. So welcome, Jack. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you, Jamie. Glad to be here. So thrilling. You know, I know you travel all over the world. You give talks. Every time you and I are emailing, you're on the road, you're in and give, coming back from an interview or some kind of coaching. How do you get the energy to do what you do? Well, you know, I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do. I, uh, I meditate regularly. I eat healthily. I try to get enough sleep. And um, I just uh, can't wait to get up in the morning and support more people in achieving their dreams. It's a wonderful, wonderful ministry, really, that you have. That's really what it is. So I want to talk because Ask Dr. Love and my ministry is all about relationships. So, And I know you talk a lot about finances and helping people improve their financial picture. But let's start talking a little bit about relationship success, because you have a whole section in your new book, The Success Principles, about relationships. And one one of the things you talk about is cleaning up your messes and your incomplete. So what do you mean by that? Well, in most relationships, people have unspoken words, unspoken resentments, unspoken desires, uh, things that they want that they're not asking for. And so... You know, I just took some stuff from my own family. You know, my brother died recently, and uh, he and I had not spoken to each other for almost a year. And so when he died, it was kind of, oh, God, I wish I'd said that. I wish I'd said this. And so for a lot of people, we're walking around with uh, all of these, you know, unspoken emotions, unspoken uh, hurts and, and fears and so forth. And so it's important that we clean that up and get present with each other so that, I remember reading a book back in the 60s about a guy who said if he got up and walked out of town today, there's nothing unsaid between him and anybody. He lived presently in the moment. And so many of us, you know, we've we've all had that experience where we're walking through the supermarket 
you see somebody that you've had a fight with or you don't want to talk to, and so you try to avoid them by going down a different aisle. <laughs> and so uh, we want to get beyond that so that basically we don't have anything that's uh, unexpressed. And I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I, I always say uh, eulogize the living. Besides not c- expressing your negative feelings, also you want to live each moment like it's your last and say the loving things that you don't say on a daily basis. Yes, there's as much un- there's as much repressed love and appreciation. Uh, there's so much acknowledgement that people have for each other that they've never expressed. Uh, I remember listening to a country song that said, Give me my flowers while I'm living. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are tears on my pillow. Oh no, tears in my ear because I'm lying on the right. <laughs> yeah, I love country. Lying on my back, crying my eyeballs. Yeah, out over you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. It's such. So you know, my my husband died of a bee sting, Jack, and we were on vacation in Italy, and he was healthy in the morning, and by nightfall, I'm mourning. And boy, doesn't that teach you to live in the now and treat each interaction you have with everyone as though it might be your last. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember my wife a couple of years ago. I got a phone call, and someone said, "I think I saw your wife's car in a crash about you know about a half a mile from our house." And I threw the kids in the car, and we we drove down there. And I mean, it was the worst awful experience I've ever had. Got there, it was her car it was completely you know banged up in the in the in the middle and the in the front. And I I remember looking for her, and then finally I saw her standing by a telephone pole. She was alive, but that that sense of oh my god, you mm-hmm. never know when it could be over. And so, it's so uh, true. It, it's important that we that we live our life in the present moment and that we don't put things off until the future. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, my wife and I have a, a ritual where every night before we go to bed, we, we go through the day and we talk about our feelings and anything that's unsaid so that literally we go to bed having completed our relationship for the day. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't do that. They harbor, you know, hurts. They harbor... Uh, you know, appreciation, the good stuff as well as the bad stuff. And that's mm-hmm. I agree. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. You know, uh, you also talk about, which kind of ties in with uh, completing the past to embrace the future. That's mm-hmm. one of the chapters in your book under, you know, relationship success techniques. Don't drag old business. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, basically, you know, I wrote that chapter because so many people are walking around again with incomplete emotions expression like you know I do an exercise at some of our trainings called the total truth process and you pick someone in your life that you have incomplete feelings for nine times out of ten it's people's parents and mm-hmm. uh, or sometimes it's ex-husbands or bosses or you know once I had a woman who a doctor blinded her she didn't need an operation he did the operation because he wanted the money in the process she ended up blind and so she was really angry and so you see these people you could just tell you that they're about to hit somebody every second because they're so angry. Mm-hmm. And so we go through these stages of the anger. Underneath the anger is the hurt. Underneath that, there's a layer of fear. Underneath that, there's a layer of, of regret and remorse. And then underneath that, there's a layer of forgiveness. So example I use in my seminars is that um, my father, when he came in when I was a kid, I was really angry at him because he came in and one, one day he actually beat me up. And uh, so I was angry that he would hurt me, I mean, supposed to take care of me. I was hurt physically and I was hurt emotionally that someone he was supposed to protect, he was actually hurting. Underneath that, there was this experience of, uh, of self, self-esteem issue of being, like, am I enough? You know, mm-hmm. what, if my dad really loved me, would he hurt me like that? But maybe I'm not lovable. So there's this doubt. 
that shows up. And underneath that, there's the responsibility that I didn't get beat up because my dad just blew it. I lied to him. He found out. He came in and he kind of lost it. So I wasn't a total victim because if I hadn't lied, I wouldn't have gotten beaten up. And then what I wanted is not to get beaten up, and I want to be protected and safe, and I want my dad to love me, and then I can forgive him and go back into a state of love. So whenever we're upset with somebody, there's usually layers of emotion, and most people just get to one layer. Women often cry more than they get angry. Men get angry more than they cry, and then that's it. It doesn't go back down into the love. Until we express all of those emotions, we're stuck. It's so true. You have to have the rainbow of emotion. That's a good, I never heard that phrase. I like that. I just made it up for you. <laughs> well, I, I'm writing it down. Oh, you little cheat, you. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Jack, I, I felt a connection to you, even though we had never met. And I actually had a dream about you two nights ago. And it was so astonishing to me, the dream, because it turns out the dream told me the essence of your character. And you are showing me how true it is. In the dream, I was hugging you from behind in this very affectionate way, like I'm behind you. I've got your back. And my hand touches your chest, and I feel that you've shaved your chest hair. And when I woke up, I got the message, this is one of the few men who is totally androgynous, That meaning you embody the best of all female traits and the best of all male traits, which is what we want to all aspire to be, you know, an equal blend. Well, thank you. And you're showing me that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving your wife a gold star for you. (laughs) <laughs> I'll pass that on to her. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, you talked about taking complete responsibility, 100% responsibility. Even in the event where your dad uh, hit you, you had lied. So you took that radical shift of saying, I was responsible. And that's such an important thing for people to get. No matter what happens, you have to take responsibility for your role, 100% responsibility. Talk to me more about that. Well, exactly. I, I teach this little formula, E plus R equals O. There's an event. You have a response to that event that produces an outcome. And all of the outcomes are what people complain about in therapy and in counseling. They're overweight. They're feeling distant from their husband. They don't have money. They're feeling, uh, you know, sad and depressed, whatever. All of those outcomes are the result of how you responded to earlier events. So literally, there are no victims. Now, I'm not saying if the tornado hits down in Moore, Oklahoma, at some level, you're not a victim. I, I'm, I'm not going that far. But in relationships, you know, very rarely are we a total victim. We've done something to upset the other person. We've done something. You know, even this is really interesting. There was a study done of people in uh, Rawway State Prison in New Jersey, and they wanted to talk to people about uh, assault, physical assault and rape. And they showed videos of people walking down the street. They said, would you assault this person? And they would go, yes, or they would say no. And when they would say no, they say, well, why not? They say, well, that person walks like they know where they're going. They have purpose. They're walking quickly. They have intention. Their head is up. But if someone's walking in a depressed state, they said we would attack them because they wouldn't fight back. So we are sending out signals to people all the time right. about whether or not we are someone that's a pushover or whether or not we're someone that is strong. That's right. So if you take the position that you're 100% responsible for everything that happens to you. And I teach it as an act as if, because I don't believe you're 100% for everything. But if you take the position that you are, then when something happens that's not, you know, to your liking, you can go back and say, well, how did I create, promote, or allow that to happen? And 99 times out of 100, you'll find the answer. 
And that allows you then to stop doing that thing and become empowered. But if you don't ask that question, you just continue being a victim. I agree with that. And, you know, I always object to the extreme form of New Age philosophy that literally makes you responsible for everything, tornadoes, crashes, and that's insane. You know, things happen, there are acts of fate that are beyond our power. But then, even how you respond to it, you're responsible for that. Exactly. What you do with it, how you transform it. You know, uh, I want to talk about... You know how successful people respond to tragedies and failures. We're going to talk about that in a in a few more minutes. I just I'm going to need to take a break. I don't want to leave you, but I'll be back in one second on Ask Doctor Love Radio. Are you a business looking to expand across the USA? Ask Doctor Love reaches millions of terrestrial radio listeners, offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group, as everyone is concerned about their relationships. There is no other relationship advice show broadcast anywhere else in the USA. By advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 877-941-4731. That's 877-941-4731. Again, 877-941-4731. Imagine, this is your money, and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. Guess what? They want your money, and they can take it, all of it if they want. So what do you do? You fight back by letting our team of experts work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. Call right now and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. Five minutes of your time can save you thousands of dollars. So please call right now. Want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call, because the best prices are not online. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner. Call today and get the best price on your next flight, guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If your heart is still hurting over the bodily loss of your loved one, the reason is simple. We're not meant to be separated from those we love, and reconnecting is the only way to end the grief. 
But reconnecting and staying connected requires guidance. As a gift to her listeners, Dr. Turndorf is offering a limited number of discounted grief relief sessions to help you reestablish a relationship with loved ones in spirit and resolve any unfinished issues. If you're ready to experience the healing and joy of reconnecting, visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to schedule your session. But don't wait. Space is limited. Visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to find out more. And now, back to Dr. Turndorf. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love Radio. I'm talking with my wonderful guest, Jack Hanfield, the author and creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul franchise. And Jack, uh, this is the time in my show where I call it Dr. Love's Quickie. And I guess you can guess by that it's a very short segment. And I always, I always do in the quickie segment little tweets. And so for, in honor of your visit with me today, I created some tweets that embody your principles. So would you like to hear a couple of them? Sure. That sounds like fun. And I actually put them out over the web. So you're all over. You're being tweeted all over with these tweets about your ideas. So here's the first one. Start a class action suit and be a class act so others can follow suit. That's good. (laughs) Make a pact to be a class act, not a crass act. Very nice. That's yours. Uh, For a happy marital life, admit when you're the cause of strife. Good. And here's another one. Admit when you're wrong and your love will stay strong. Mm -hmm. And don't defend and your relationship won't upend. Mm. And don't be a pighead. Take full responsibility instead. (laughs) If you want to be happily wed, put your ego to bed. (laughs) embrace change for a change Mm. to be happy hearted finish what you started speak from the heart and your love will kick start Mm -hmm. and to avoid relationship strain train your brain it's easy to misinterpret so check it out or else your partner may check out (laughs) (laughs) and here's the last one if you don't want your spouse to think you're a turd keep your word So let's talk a little bit because this topic of failure it always comes up again and again. I failed. I've had hardship. We were talking before the break about how to handle failure and hardship. And I want to talk a lot about this now because successful people handle failure and hardship very differently than people who are not successful. You agree? Oh, I do. Right. You know, so one of, the, one of the things I do in my workshop, I take the word fail and I write it in capital letters, F-A-I-L. And then if you take and add one more stroke, at the bottom of the I, just add a little right-hand stroke, you get the word fall, F-A-L-L. And so successful people realize that failure is not the end of anything. It simply means you fell down, get up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're talking about relationships. You know, I'm in my third marriage, and the first one lasted uh, five years, the second one 20 years. Now I've been married for 15 years. And a lot of people would say, wow, you're, you're a success guy. How could you fail in your marriage? You know, and, and we grew apart from each other, and things happened and it's like it's not, not the end of the world and I think that you know if people feel like they're a failure then you get depressed you give up and right. I see failure as a learning experience did I learn something from each of those relationships absolutely am I a much better husband now than I ever was before absolutely and so one of my friends Marshall Thurber says you can't learn less I mean you can't get to the end of the day and know less than you knew before you started so every day we're learning more mm-hmm. so it's like you're just an opportunity to get up again, take what you've learned, and keep on going. 
Right. I remember Edison saying when he kept failing in his experiments, his electric experiments, or uh, he said he got excited every time he failed because he knew that he was that much closer to a solution. Yeah. The quote I heard, Jamie, was that someone said, you know, Dr. Edison, you're trying to invent the light bulb and you failed 10,000 times. He says, no, I never failed. He said, I invented the light bulb. Just right. There you go. Step process. Yeah, you know, and we people don't realize when you when you meet very successful people and you say, well, this person has had all kinds of luck and this person hasn't failed. You can't believe the failures along the path. What have what have been some of your most extreme failures that you have risen from and and actually triumphed as a result of? Well, I bankrupted two businesses along the way. My first uh, business was a growth center that I ran that was a retreat center and we got to be $140,000 in debt and couldn't get out, so we had to go b- declare bankruptcy for that. But I learned a lot. I realized I was a great psychotherapist. I was a great trainer, uh, but I was a lousy business person. So I learned that I need to have a partner. <laughs> so I have one now. And, <laughs> That's um, wonderful. So I have a CEO and a COO and people that help me run the business side of my business because it's not something I care about that much, not something I'm very good at. Uh, my second marriage, when it ended, I lost a lot of money. And mm-hmm. over, and I, I remember wearing my shirts two days in a row uh, before I sent them to the cleaners. I started washing them myself and mm. eating more, you know, uh, intelligently in terms of not eating out, buying large amounts of rice so I get better prices. So I had to do that. Or I wasn't going to make it. Uh, you know, I've had books that didn't do well, and I and I. It's funny. Every I've had maybe four books out of two hundred and twenty that we've done that didn't do well. And every time, Jamie, it's because I didn't listen to my inner guidance. Oh, yeah. This book isn't ready yet, or maybe this topic isn't the right thing for the right time, or we don't have enough good stories. And whenever I ignored that, maybe because my publisher was pressing me for another book, they wanted mm-hmm. sales, that's when I screwed up. Or if I, did, I didn't quite trust somebody, but I didn't trust my distrust, and then I ended up getting um, taken. So basically, you've, I've learned to trust my inner knowing, to trust my, my feelings. I know exactly. You know, it's funny, Jack, I, I've never told anybody this on, I've never said this on air before. My first book, Till Death Do Us Part, unless I kill you first. <laughs> a, <laughs> I, wait a minute. A step-by-step guide for resolving relationship conflict uh, was sold to Henry Holt. And I received the highest advance in self-help book history. And I got a feeling as soon as they bought it, this isn't going to go. And I have this psychic premonition thing that always happens with me before things happen, I know. And it turned out I was right. The editor-in-chief and the editor who bought it left the company and the book got orphaned. Yeah. So they they didn't do advertising, they didn't do PR, they they didn't do what they promised, and the book got orphaned. And at the time, I didn't know, well, you can do your own par- publicity and marketing. So I let the whole thing go, and it was a real sense of failure to me and defeat. And all of a sudden, I said, wait a minute, just republish this book. And would you believe, last week, the CEO of Hay House reached out to me to publish my next book. And in the deal, I negotiated that they're going to re-release Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf, and I'm talking with my wonderful guest, Jack Canfield, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul and the creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul franchise and the author of the latest book, The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. So, Jack, we're talking about all the success principles that apply to relationships, so uh, one of the things that I, I love is your speak with impeccability. 
And it's a real tongue twister. And why don't you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that? Well, Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote the book, The Four Agreements, that's one of his principles of mm-hmm. four agreements, was to speak with impeccability. And the way he talked about it was you never talk about yourself in any negative way, no negative put-downs, no self-judgment, etc. And uh, we extended that out to include talking about other people as well, that you don't uh, gossip, you don't talk about judgments of other people and so forth. Easy to say, easy to write in the book, very hard to do. Uh, we're naturally, I think, especially in North America, we've been brought up in a culture that's extremely judgmental, and we've interjected, which means we've taken on the voices of our childhood from our parents, from our teachers, from our priests and ministers and Boy Scout leaders and so forth, uh, all these judgments. And so we have this constant inner critical voice going on. And one of the things I teach now is turn your inner critic into an inner coach. Right. It's, it's literally a part of you. You know, our parents, when they told us to wear clean underwear in case we got in an accident or told us to go up our room and think about something we did or, you know, whatever, they weren't trying to punish us or hurt us. They were trying to teach us to be successful. The problem is many of the things they said had a reverse effect on us. So this part of us that, that's, that's telling us we're not enough, we shouldn't take that risk, we should never have said that, you know, etc. that part is really trying to help us. We have to retrain it. And you have to start by appreciating that voice. It's a dialogue you have to do with yourself. Uh, I just wrote a new book that came out uh, from Hay House, actually. We just talked about Hay House. Huh. Tapping into ultimate success. And I, you're probably familiar with EFT and tapping. Oh, sure. And so we took uh, all of the principles from the Success Principles book, and we came up with all of the different fears that show up and the limiting beliefs that people have about these principles, like taking 100% responsibility. Like if I don't blame someone, does that mean I'm condoning their behavior? No, not necessarily. So what we have to do is we can tap on these points, these acupuncture points, while we're holding these limiting beliefs, this self-judgmental talk, etc., and we can actually disappear those through tapping. And mm-hmm. Book tapping into ultimate success, you know, using a kind of play on the words with tapping, we actually have a DVD, it's 90 minutes long, that demonstrates all of these different tapping techniques, including how to tap out uh, your inner critic and turn it into an inner coach. But learning to speak, you know, in the Bible it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And so, you know, God created the universe, if you want to take that, whether you believe it literally or metaphorically, through Word, through thought. And so the words we speak and the thoughts we think are actually creating our reality. So we have to become much more conscious and aware of that, something that none of us were taught in school, but now as adults we need to learn. I know. And what I find very helpful, and actually it's as if you were sitting in a group that I was running last night talking about this inner toxic introject, that very often when that negative parental voice comes up, people become like deer in the headlights. They freeze and they are like little children stunned and they don't think about dialoguing with the voice and speaking with it, which dissolves it and softens it and disarms it, you know, because you just sort of regress back to the point where you were being beaten down verbally or physically and you're just frozen. So the active process, you know, of tapping and dialoguing brings the adult you into the equation and it helps dilute those negative voices and transform them into the coach. Well, it's true. And the other thing, since I know you're familiar with Gestalt therapy, when you dialogue with an inner critic, you actually at some point have to become the voice of the inner critic. And normally we identify with the one being criticized, not with the one who's doing the criticizing. Your power is in the critic. 
And so as we become the critic, we allow ourselves to own the power that in, up until now we've just been the one cowering under that voice as we go back and forth between those two voices. Mm-hmm. To integrate the power of the critic with the sensitivity of the one being criticized, you integrate those two parts and you become a powerful person. It's so true. It is so wonderful. So you also have a chapter that's called Be Here Now, and you spell it H-E-A-R. So are you talking about listening? Yes, I am. And the idea is that most people are not good listeners. They're like my wife, when I first met her, was a great talker, but she didn't listen very well. And so I, at one point, I remember one day saying, you know, honey, I listen to you. You need to listen to me. There's got to be a dialogue. It has to be fair. And so... What happens in a relationship, often you get one person who talks a lot and the other person who listens. And the one who listens, the one who's talking needs to learn to listen. People love you when you listen. I'll give you an example about a powerful relationship transformation. I took a workshop once and this guy taught us a question. He said, just ask this question to people. If we were sitting here three years from now, what would have had to have happened for you to feel uh, happy and uh, you know, uh, content with your success, with your progress? And I asked my sister that. I was just trying it out. And for the next 45 minutes, she just went on and on and on and on. And I just kept saying, that's interesting. Tell me more. And at the end of that 45 minutes, she said, Jack, this is the best conversation we've ever had. <laughs> I hadn't said anything. Else, exactly. exactly. People need to be listened to. We hunger for someone to listen to us. Absolutely. I always say, listen with the ears of your heart. Mm. Because I really believe that your heart resides in your ears. We all need that patient, attentive, kind listening. That's the parenting that we all didn't quite get enough of or the right kind of. And we can do that. We can actually be loving, nurturing, listening parents for each other and so healing. Well, you just said listen with the ears in your heart. I wrote down the word heart and the word E-A-R is right in the middle of the word heart. There you go. And there you go. G-A-R, H-E-A-R, then the letter T. So there. It's built into the language. You know, it doesn't say uh, mouth. <laughs> the middle there, there you're. Well, God gave us two ears. I say this until death do us part. God gave us two ears and one mouth so we would listen more and talk less. Yeah. That's you know. So, and yeah, this and your wife obviously was open enough to you that when you told her, put a sock in it and just listen, but you didn't say it that way. <laughs> I didn't, but she, <laughs> she, she, my wife's a great listener now. So you know, you, um, kids, but you're a good coach and trainer. Yeah. Well, especially tra- with kids, you know, if you've got parents listening to this, what happens is children are just begging to be attended to. Uh, Virginia Satir, who is a great family therapist, mm. said that, you know, we have three basic needs. We need to be touched. We need to be listened to, and we need to be uh, taken seriously. And most kids are not touched, they're not listened to, and they're not taken seriously. So we grow up with this default. And so when we listen, there's a great book written that was called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, How to Listen So Kids Will Talk. And Mm -hmm. the main thing is to reflect back what somebody said to you. So if you said to me, oh, I had a great group last night, this person got up and did X, Y, and Z, and I said, wow, you really did have a great group last night if that person got up and did X, Y, and Z. I just reflected back to you what you right. just said. Now you feel heard. Most parents and most spouses don't do that. Uh, so it's really very important. I think you know one of the things that we built into our relationship is heart-to-heart time where we sit facing each other, knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye, and for 45 minutes we just talk about whatever's up for us. And um, that's changed our relationship amazingly. 
absolutely it is the you literally take turns holding each other's hearts and souls and feeding each other we, we need it we all need it and if you do this on a daily basis as you do your relationship just thrives it absolutely does well one of the things you know right underneath the be here now chapter if you're looking at the table of contents is have a heart talk and that's a technique that i learned from the guy uh, down in san diego and the name uh, cliff durfee and I was walking by this booth once at a conference. They had all these, uh, these uh, kind of beanbag hearts piled up. And I said, what is this? And what it is is the technique where I hold this heart and I get to talk until I'm done. And as long as I'm holding the heart, you can't talk. When I'm finished talking, I give the heart to you. Now it's your turn to talk. And we can also pass it around in a circle like we do with our, our family when all of my three kids are here. And so what happens is this heart talk is a simple technique. It simply gets people to stop talking until they have the heart so they actually listen. It's such a powerful tool. I love it. That in a relationship, passing the heart back and forth or around in a circle would transform the communication. If, I, if my wife's upset with me, her sister knows, her mother knows, the ladies at the checkout counter at the supermarket know, you know, I'm the only one who doesn't know. And I'm the you mean that they don't know that the four place not a 10? <laughs> yeah, bad reputation. Bad, bad. It's at the gro- grocery counter. Not good. No, I know. <laughs> you know, I use you and I are walking the same path with the same kind of intention and message. I I always use the image of casting out a line. You know, when you're fishing, you throw out the bait, and that's asking that question. And then I want to reel you in to get you to tell me more. Tell me how I could do better. How I can be more loving to you. So it's a wonderful thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's so loving just the asking. Even if you don't change anything, the asking is 99% of it. Yeah, I do think it's important to change. I mean, obviously, you don't yep. change everything because some things are just things that you're not going to change. Right. But I want my wife to have a 10 experience with me, and she wants me to have a 10 experience with her. Wow. And, you know, sometimes we'll talk about it. There'll be a little defensiveness, and then maybe a week later she'll say, you know, you're right, I am a little too judgmental, or you're right, I don't listen enough, or you're right, I haven't been spending enough time with you. So you don't have to get the instant response, you know, because then we're pushing people to maybe grow faster than they're ready to grow. But without the awareness, there can be no growth. Yeah, I love the idea that you just put it out there, and now you can do with it as you choose. I've stated my truth, and then I surrender all expectation of outcome. And when you do that, you're not pushing the other person for change, which usually clams the person up. Yeah, yeah I do a little demonstration in my workshops where I'll have people stand up, and I'll have them put their hands on, and they start pushing on their hands, and immediately they push back. Right. Demonstrate. So as soon as you push someone, you get pushed back. But right. if you don't push, but you just invite, you get a lot more response. Right. I love it. I love it. And then, you know, I talk a lot in my book, and I'm sure, and I'm sure you talk a lot about this in your workshops, about the way our brains distort what we see and hear, especially in our intimate relationships. And you know, I, I call it, we need to train our brains to fight for us, not against us. So you talk about t- when in doubt, check it out. So yes. that's it's. Don't assume you're interpreting people correctly. So how yeah, do you do right. that? Well, one of the techniques that we use in our relationship work is uh, well, two two aspects of it. The first one is when in doubt, check it out. Meaning, if you're not sure about, if you're thinking maybe your wife's mad at you, or you're thinking your husband's upset, or you're thinking maybe the kids don't want to go on vacation with you, whatever, just check it out. Ask. Um, you know, and then the other technique we call is, do you mean? So let's say my wife comes in and she says to me, would you like to go for a walk right now? And I'm in the middle of a paragraph I'm writing for my book, and I'm really excited, and I'm into it, flowing. And I go, I hardly look up, and I go, no. 
And then she could interpret that a million ways. He doesn't love me. Uh, he, he, he's mad at me. Uh, whatever. So she's trained to say, do you mean that you don't want to exercise today? I go, no. I, do, do you mean you don't want to spend time with me? No. Do you mean that you might want to go later? Yeah. Do you mean right now you're really involved in what you want to do and I should come back in a half hour? Yes. You know, so <laughs> it's like you don't know what the person means. Like I remember teaching people recently in a workshop, someone's husband forgot their birthday and they were very upset. And I said, your upset is not because your husband forgot your birthday. Your upset is because of the meaning you ascribe to it. You right. said to yourself, my husband forgot my birthday. It means he doesn't love me. You could have just as easily said, my hus- someone who loves me forgot my birthday. I wonder if they're okay. And so right. basically, we, we are the ones making up the meaning. And we can choose to make up meanings that are positive. Or we can check out the meaning and simply say, do you still love me? It was my birthday. Did you not? Oh, my God, honey. We're dealing with a, a possible lawsuit at the office. I'm so consumed. I didn't even know what day it is. Right. Right. And this is you're talking about the excessive personalization that underlies assuming you did this to me when it's so helpful to know that most of the things that people say and do are not directed at you. It's just somebody's drowning and flailing his arms and you just happen to be in the way of a blow and it wasn't meant for you. Exactly. We'll go back to the Four Agreements book by Don Miguel Ruiz. Speak with impeccability was one of them. Don't take anything personally. Was Don't take anything. Right. Nothing, Nothing personally because it's, it, it's just never about you. It's never about you. It's very, very rarely people say and do things that they need to say and do to deal with their own anxiety or they're, right. they're feeling like they're sinking. And when you go insert, asserting your ego and getting all wounded, then you form wrong interpretations. So it's absolutely true. You cannot assume it's about you and check it out. Absolutely. I'm going to take a brief break and I'll be back with you in a moment on Ask Dr. Love Radio. Are you a business looking to expand across the USA? Ask Dr. Love reaches millions of terrestrial radio listeners, offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group as everyone is concerned about their relationships. There is no other relationship advice show broadcast anywhere else in the USA. By advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 877-941-4731. That's 877-941-4731. Again, 877-941-4731. Imagine this is your money. 
and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. Guess what? They want your money and they can take it, all of it if they want. So what do you do? You fight back by letting our team of experts work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. Call right now and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. Five minutes of your time can save you thousands of dollars. So please call right now. Want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call because the best prices are not online. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner. Call today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first class tickets. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If your heart is still hurting over the bodily loss of your loved one, the reason is simple. We're not meant to be separated from those we love, and reconnecting is the only way to end the grief. But reconnecting and staying connected requires guidance. As a gift to her listeners, Dr. Turndorf is offering a limited number of discounted grief relief sessions to help you reestablish a relationship with loved ones in spirit and resolve any unfinished issues. If you're ready to experience the healing and joy of reconnecting, Visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to schedule your session. But don't wait. Space is limited. Visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to find out more. And now, back to Dr. Turndorf. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love Radio. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf, and I'm talking with Jack Canfield, the beloved originator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul franchise and the author of The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. Jack, I'm having so much fun with you. It's just I just could talk to you forever. Thank you. (laughs) Well, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about money because I know a lot of your success principles do relate to money and money does become a source of conflict in so many couples' relationships. Let's talk a little bit about money. Sure. Yeah? So there's just so many things that we can say about money. I'm just trying to think where to go with this. So for one thing, I mean, you talk to people about money fights, I'm sure, a lot. Well, you know, the problem with money fights is that people don't make uh, agreements in the beginning of a relationship about money. And one of the biggest problems in all relationships are lack of agreement. You know, people think they have agreements, but they've never been discussed. They've never been written down and agreed to. Uh, you know, people often talk about in a relationship, there's the fine print in the contract nobody ever read. So, you know, my wife and I, when we got married, I have a lot of money. I've been very successful, and she did. And it took us years to get to a place where she feels like she owns the money as well because I made most of it. And But now, you know, there's so much. she gets so many dollars a month to do whatever she wants to do with, and I, I, I can't talk about it. I get so many dollars to what I, whatever I want to do. If I want to give it to charity, I want to give it to my sister, if I want to go buy a motorcycle, it's my money. And then there's our money. Uh, what do we? What, what do we do with our money? How do we invest it? Do we do we do philanthropy with it, etc.? And so once we're clear, then it's simply a matter of keeping our agreements. Or if something comes up where my wife wants to buy something or I want to support something that's not in the contract, we go to each other and we talk about it. It's a business. It's a business discussion. It really is. It really is. It really is. And if you have a two-income family, one person's making more than the other. Are you going to both contribute equally to the rent, or are you going to do it in a prorated way, or is one person responsible for this, the other person responsible for groceries? And then you have to keep your agreements. I know a lot of people make agreements, 
and then they cheat. You know, they they sneak their clothes in that they bought. They don't put, uh, you know, they don't unpack it in front of their husband. They take it directly to the laundry. You know, the, so it comes back in the in the cleaning. And is that a new shirt? No, I've had that for years. You know, so when people are doing that kind of stuff, ultimately you the trust the roads in the relationship, and so on and so forth. Uh, money is a, is a very you know, sex, money, and power are like the three big issues that kind of screw up relationships. Uh, right. So money is important. And what I teach people, look, you need to be very conscious about your money. You need to know where it goes so you pay attention, you keep score. The second thing is let's learn how to make more money and let's learn how to steward the money we have more you know, effectively in terms of investment and so forth. Uh, you know, simple things like saving 10% of your money so that you automatically, you know, and you can do that through payroll reductions, deductions you can do it through just you're, you're automatically tithing to yourself. So you've got some money when you're retired. The average American retires with a net worth less than $25,000. And that's a person who in 40 years of making 25000 a year had a million dollars pass through their hands and ends up in debt. And so mm-hmm. the reality is that people need to become conscious about it. And it's one of the big issues I teach is that, you know, you've got to set goals. You have to visualize the goal, have affirmations. Like I, you know, my hundred thousand. Did you see the movie The Secret? Yeah. You know, I have a classic story, and I tell about my hundred thousand dollar story, where I wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I had no idea how to do it. I was making eight thousand dollars a year as a high school teacher, and I set the goal to make a hundred thousand dollars. I took a big piece of green paper and I drew a hundred thousand dollar bill on it. My best idea of what it would look like. Put it on the ceiling. Every morning I woke up, saw that, reminded me to close my eyes, visualize a $100,000 a year lifestyle, visualize a bank balance you know, that showed I'd earned $100,000 that year, and then I would have an affirmation. God is my um, infinite supply, and large sums of money come to me quickly under the grace of God for the highest good of all concern. And then I would do that visualization. Then I would take my shower. Well, nothing happened for 30 days. 30 days into it, I have, a, I have this $100,000 idea. I had a book called 100 Ways to Enhance Self-Concept in the Classroom. Every time that book sold, I made 25 cents. That was my royalty. And so I figured if I could sell 400,000 books in one year, that would be a $100,000 income. Now, up until then, I'd never made more than $2,000 in royalties. But I started then thinking, how could I sell 400,000 books? Well, I could get into Reader's Digest. I could start a mail-order book company. To make a long story short, we did get in the, the National Enquirer, which 12 million people read every week. It had an article about my book. We started to do a mail-order book service. We started adding other things beside my book. By the end of the year, we had a business that was generating about $2,000 a week as a, as a bookstore, and that made me my $100,000. So, See, it's great. What you're talking about is first you have to visualize it as real and possible. You know, uh-huh. it starts with that you had the image in your mind. Yeah. I teach people, you have to commit to the what before the how shows up. Right, and don't worry about the how first. Exactly. Because if you start with that, you'll never do it. If they can't see the how, they're afraid to commit to what it is they want to do. Right, right. You know, Jack, when I created my website, this was, well, in the early 80s, I saw me bringing out this Dr. Love industry through computers, but it was long before the Internet was born. The day, I didn't know how it was going to happen. And then when I found out, oh, there's this thing, the Internet, I said, that's it, and I jumped. So I had the idea first before I knew how. This is what you're talking about. Don't stop yourself because you don't know how. Exactly. And I'm going to just, because you mentioned the Internet, I'm going to use that as a cheap segue. If go anybody wants to know more about my work, you can go to jackcanfield.com. All of my books, all of my seminars, all of the different workshops we do are listed there. And um, 
you know, because it's fun to get excited, but excitement without tools leads to frustration. So there are tools that I have in my book, The Success Principles, and we have audio programs and video programs you can share with your family in our summer training uh, called Breakthrough to Success that we do every August. August 5 to 9 is listed there as well. And, you know, the, the thing is, there, there are studies that prove people who are successful and wealthier are happier. It's a fact. It's true. It, I, it I is. I saw a quote the other day. It says, money can't buy happiness, but I'd rather cry in a Ferrari than in a Chevrolet. There you go. <laughs> so, and it, it helps relationships. You're not arguing about money. And, you know, uh, you want to follow what successful people do and seek out others who know more than you about how to do it. That's exactly right. I mean, the reason I'm able to teach what I teach is I had a mentor back in the 1968-69 period who was uh, worth $600 million. His name was W. Clement Stone. He was a friend of Napoleon Hill who wrote Think and Grow Rich. And he taught me how to attract money, how to manage money, how to think positively, how to think abundance thoughts, how to use the law of attraction. And so I always teach people, if you don't know what to do, find somebody who's already figured it out. You've already figured out relationships. So anyone who wants better relationships makes sense to tune into your show every week. Anyone who wants to create more success in your life makes sense to read my books and listen to my webinars and so forth. It's true. And you, to this day, I know you seek out mentors. As as successful as you are, you still seek out mentors. Yeah, one of my success principles is find a wing to climb under. I love it. Find a coach. Find somebody that you can follow their work, whether it's a Tony Robbins or a Barbara DeAngelis or whatever, there's people out there that have spent their life figuring out the things you want to know, and they've figured out how to teach them in a way that you can integrate them into your life. So I teach people what I call the hour of power. You want to do at least 20 minutes of study. I I do two hours a day of reading other people's books, going to YouTube, watching TED Talks, watching people demonstrate neuro-linguistic programming, gestalt therapy, NLP, whatever. The reality is, but let's just say an hour, 20 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of exercise, and 20 minutes of meditation and visualization. It can't help. Absolutely. And, you know, also within your philosophy, there is an overarching idea about discipline. Discipline yourself. Don't just gratify yourself. You know, we live in a culture where people have plastic and they just use their credit cards to buy something that they don't have the money for. You really talk a lot about Discipline. Don't act on impulse. You know, if you don't have the cash for it, forego it. Exactly. You know, uh, there's a famous study, you probably know, called the marshmallow study, Mm. where they had kids at Stanford, and they would put a marshmallow in front of these. uh, They were preschoolers. They would say, I'm going to leave the room now. There's one marshmallow on this plate. If you want to, you can eat it. But if you wait until I come back, I'll give you a second marshmallow. And so the kids that waited for the second marshmallow called delayed gratification, as opposed to the kids who ate the marshmallow while the the researcher was out of the room. In a longitudinal study, they found out they did better in school. They got more of these kids got into college. Their relationships were better. They had higher-paying jobs. Everything stemmed from this ability to delay gratification, to invest my time now, take the money I have now and invest it so I have more money later, take the time I have now and study something so I become more skillful so that I can have greater success later rather than instant success. Now, the kids who dropped out of school because it was easier, and the kids who stayed in school and studied, it was harder. 
But those are the kids now that are the managers, the business owners, the lawyers, the accountants, etc. Right. And the muscle, the muscle of impulse control, delaying gratification gets stronger with practice. It's just like going to the gym. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. It helps you control your mouth in your relationship so you don't go off half cocked and assault your partner. It helps you save your money. It helps in every area of your life. Absolutely. And this idea of, uh, I'm a big believer in discipline. Uh, I, I talk about daily disciplines like meditation like uh, writing in a gratitude journal, like planning your day the night before. So you, have, you wake up to a schedule rather than a to-do list. Uh, we know that people, when they have to-do lists, do the easiest thing first. When you schedule your time and schedule the most difficult things first, you get more done. So having those difficult conversations instead of putting them off, keep putting them off, putting them off, putting them off, and eventually it never happen. Exactly. by Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog. And he writes about the idea, if you knew you had to eat a frog uh, that day, most people would kind of put it off till the end of the day. No, eat the frog first. Eat the frog first. Get it out of the way. Now the rest of the day is downhill. It's easy. Exactly. Then it's vicious later. So, (laughs) so Jack, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I want you to come on and visit with me again. I want you to, my door is open to you and we'll be in touch. I'm sure. And just before we say goodbye, how can I help you again to uh, promote anything that you'd like to promote to my listeners? Please uh, say so. Well, basically, just go to Jack Canfield. That's C-A-N is in Nellie, F-I-E-L-D, dot com. We have a e-zine that goes out every two weeks with success secrets in it. And uh, we also recommend books that I've been reading that you might like to read. Uh, we talk about, you know, seminars that are coming up and so forth. And all of our materials there, there's free uh, downloadable materials that can help you. And we also have a coaching program, anyone who wants to get coaching. So whatever it is you want, if you've been touched, I always tell people, you know, go study with the people you're moved by. So if you feel connected to me, um, check it out. And at the very least, read the book. Uh, the book will change your life. I'm writing a book now called uh, Living the Success Principles, and they're all stories of people who've read the book and whose lives have radically transformed. And so you deserve to be one of those people as well. That's wonderful. You're a wonderful guest. You speak with passion, and I've enjoyed meeting you officially now, and you are now my in my inner circle, and I will be speaking with you again soon. Thanks again for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jamie. You've been listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. Sign up for Dr. Jamie's newsletter at askdrlove.com and receive her meditation audio that will guide you to open your heart and chill out during these stressful times. Thank you.